You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I've got great emotions uh, in, in a couple areas. Uh, uh, number one is obviously beating a very, very good team that's uh, got so much talent, and uh, I've got so much, uh, uh, had so much invested with uh, with that group of, of core players who that are, I, I can't tell you how how much they they mean to me, and I'm just trying to have those same relationships with uh, my group, uh, and hopefully uh, we can we can share something special. Picked up by Josh Bailey with a jump in his step. He'll crash across the line with Beauvillier breaking. What a move! What a play! What a goal! Anthony Beauvillier has a both. It's 2-0. Islanders country, hello. This is P.T. Isles, the Lou Gotta Believe edition. I'm Isles Boggs Joe Bono. A reminder, you can listen to this show and every Lighthouse Hockey podcast on iTunes. Please rate and review or listen on Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, are over at LighthouseHockey.com. Lighthouse Hockey, your SB Nation home for your New York Islanders coverage. Now, before each of the last two series, I've been joined by New York Post digital producer and Isles blog contributor Rob Taub. The Islanders keep on winning. They keep on rolling. So why change things up? Rob, Islanders are into the second round for the second consecutive year. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Joe. It's actually my birthday today, so that was a nice pre-birthday gift. And, uh, yeah, I'm just I'm ready to go for tomorrow. I'm very excited. <laughs> I didn't know that. Happy happy birthday. You actually share a birthday with my mother-in-law, so I will oh, not forget that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm actually in Delaware, um, in the beach town of uh, Delaware. Did not expect when we booked this family vacation in January that uh, I was going to somehow have to navigate watching an Islanders playoff round. <laughs> 
uh, from <laughs> Delaware online, uh, but uh, good problems to have. And, um, you know, you look now back, Rob, the last two playoff years, we understand what happened to Car- with the Carolina series and Islanders getting swept. But in back-to-back years, they sweep Sidney Crosby and the Penguins, and then a gentleman sweep, as Mike Carver coined, coined it this week, of Alex Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals. Um, people are starting to get on the Islanders' bandwagon here as they continue to perform well in the bubble in Toronto. Yeah, and uh, it's starting to grow. And you, you know what? Uh, let them all join. It seems like the I tweeted it out yesterday. The, the amount of the connection between the fans and the team right now, it's as strong as I think it's ever been. You know, I got a lot. I, I caught a little bit of reaction from what I said. But just look at the, you know, the, the proofs in the pudding, like with who's in charge and what this team is doing right now. And the guy, like this team, it's a team and it's a family. And, you know, everyone's just on board right now. And it, it's been very exciting to watch what they've done so far in the bubble. And who knows how, how how far this can go? I, I mean, I saw you know you were we were looking at what um, I saw you put something out this morning about what uh, some of the percentages of I think maybe it was the athletic if if I'm not wrong. Yeah. But I also all the predictions and, and yeah, there are people who believe that the Islanders can get to the Eastern Conference Finals. And you know I I'm, I can't say that they're wrong. The way that they're playing hockey right now, I think they could beat anybody. And you know that that might. That might be a strong statement, but look at look at the way they played. I mean, really, look at the way they played. They dominated the first two series in Toronto, and they shut down two of the best offensive teams in the in the league. And you know, people could go on and on that Washington was a favorable matchup for them. No, I'm not going to go. They dominated them, and they dominated the Panthers, and they're just uh, putting it all together now. And even from last year, it's just it's another step taken that this franchise has needed that they've needed to get to. And it's evolving. This franchise is evolving. They've had a great summer so far. We've got everything going, Belmont, Sorokin. And now, yeah, it's the second round. And I'm, I'm, who knows? It's, it's a coin toss now. What's going to happen? But you can't, you got to be excited. You really, really got to be excited about what's going on with this team. Yeah, certainly five on five. They've dominated both of these series. Um, only times they've really um, given the other team some, some chance has been due to, due to the power play. And um, they really did kind of allow uh, Washington to get back into that game four when they were going uh, for the sweep, of course. But like, if we let's take a look back and look at this Capital series, you know, game one, it might feel like such a distant memory now, but they're down two nothing in the second period of that game. Uh, T.J. Oshie scores back-to-back power play goals. They're down two nothing in game one, and then Jordan Eberle throws the puck at the net. Braden Holpe kind of misplays it with the catching mitt. And all of a sudden it's 2-1, and then they explode in that third period. Anders Lee ties it up, and then of what was, you know, uh, what has been kind of a staple of this postseason, Josh Bailey making a clutch play, Brock Nelson with the pass, the shorthanded goal, and then the Islanders uh, go up 4-2 on the Bovillia goal. So, you know, game one, right then and there, uh, yeah, there was the hit Lee on Backstrom that said, you can say, oh, set the tone for the series. But after that hit, Washington ends up 2 nothing. That Jordan Everly goal, getting it to 2-1, changing the momentum of the game, really kind of set them on a great path in that series. Uh, absolutely right. And I think that Everly goal set I – think, I think that was the biggest goal of the playoffs because if the Islanders are going down 2-0 into the third period, who knows what happens the rest of the series. But you mentioned that game one, and 
even though the Islanders took all those penalties and they really weren't playing their game, I thought that they were still the better team, uh, uh, even through those first two periods and even down 2 nothing, I We saw it at 5-on-5. Five five. They were dominant. They were dominant in that in that first game. Yeah, they couldn't get anything past Holpe to start, but once Everly got that goal, it's, it just felt like they were off to the races. And I felt like for the rest of the series, yeah, I felt like there was never in doubt. I Even in game two when they went down one nothing when Ovechkin scored early, I'm like, all right, they scored, you know, get it back, and they ran a rough shot over them. And then we saw some of the most incredible hockey, two minutes of hockey probably me or you have ever seen, like, forechecking-wise in that game, too. And I think that also – that really showed me in the series that the Islands were – they were not going to lose. They, they just had too many things clicking, and, you know, there's still a few things that they could get go, that could get going if they want to keep going as far as they want to go. But, yeah, that first game – I feel like it did. The, the Lee hit did set the tone, but I, I think that when Everly scored that goal, the entire dynamic of the series changed. And I think it also showed that, you know, you can't the Island, you can't count the Islands out of the game right now. You really can't. They they can play any game you want right now. If you want to play a high scoring game, they'll play you. If you want to play a defensive game, they'll play you. If you want to play the four check game, they'll beat you. At, they'll beat you at any game you want right now. So. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens against the Flyers. They're a little bit of a deeper team than Washington, and they're a more skilled team. But you got to like your game. You got to like the Islanders' chances right now, especially after what you saw them. Uh, not even just the first game, but the the other five, the other four games against Washington too. Yeah, we'll get into the Flyer series in just a little bit. Uh, you mentioned that game too, like you said, Islanders down uh, one nothing. The Letty goal, the Matt Martin goal. Then they bring it back between 3-2 on the second Ovechkin goal, and then Nelson scores you know, seconds later on the breakaway. So they just continue to respond, and then you mentioned that kind of dominant five minutes that led to the Cal Clutterbuck goal. And then game three, again, the Islanders take a 3-0 series lead on the Matt Barzell overtime winner, but for Alamov with the save on the breakaway. Otherwise, again, there's a couple, even though it's a five-game series, and I agree with you, the Islanders outplayed Washington – a couple things here and there, and you know, and that's how close these series are. Um, it could have went, it could have went quite differently. And then, you know, I think, you know, I'm actually, I missed the first period of Game Four. I was driving back from somewhere. You know, I put on the television. Islanders are up two nothing. You're going, oh wow, they're gonna, they're gonna sweep them. And then they blow that lead. And I got a couple of IMs, uh, uh, IMs and DMs and text messages about people being a little worried, uh, just yep, because you know, the, same the Capitals thing. and what their, what their pedigree is and the fact that they are champ- they are Stanley Cup champions on the other side. And there is always, as, a, as an Islander fan, there's that, um, you know, voice on in the back of your head as to kind of, you know, kind of imposter syndrome, whether or not this team can be exposed um, for what they are not or what people think they are not. But just like they did in the Florida series, they had the opportunity to sweep, lost game three in this round. They had the opportunity to sweep, they're up to nothing, can't close out the door, and then they come back in game five and Anthony Beauvillier uh, with the, yeah. with the first two goals of the game, uh, six goals in this, in this bubble so far, the tied for the NHL lead. And uh, they kind of steamrolled to a four, nothing lead that, you know, early was a defensive clinic in game five. I, I think I said it on uh, Wednesday after game, um, after the game for loss, I tweeted out, you know, I feel like this, the loss on Tuesday might've been, might really benefit, benefit them the entire playoffs because you know, you can only keep going at such a high pace. And the way the Islanders were playing the first three games, yeah, they dominated Washington. But 
you know, you saw what happens when if the if they lose the game, they refocus, and that's I think a huge, huge thing when it comes to the if you're going to go on a long postseason run. I saw with the Blues last year, and you see with many other teams when who end up being Stanley Cup champions. You have to lose once in a while, otherwise you're just gonna you might get a little bit complacent, and we saw it in that game four loss that you know the Islanders they looked tired. Everyone said, oh, they looked tired. They looked like they weren't skating enough. Yeah, they got to you know they had to regroup, got to refocus. So I think that just the entire series, I think the mentality was there. You know, I didn't think they were going to sweep them. Anyone who thought that, and I agree with Barry Trotz, you, you know, what are you, what are you really thinking? That's not going to happen. But I do think that them having, lose, having lost the game, I think it helped them refocus and re-energize that, okay, it's not going to be easy. Any, like, it's still not going to be easy. Even when we win, nothing comes easy in the playoffs. And, yeah, dominate, dominating a team at 5-on-5 is one thing, but – you want to you want to step on a team's throat, but you also you don't want to you don't want to lose that sense of urgency. That's the biggest thing in the playoffs. Don't lose the sense of urgency, and I think we saw that in Game Five, the way they shut the they the way they shut the Caps down after the after the two periods because they were the better team. Uh, the Islands were the better team again, but you knew the Caps were going to push in the third, and they gave them nothing. They absolutely they shut it down, put the hammer down. To, you know, not to be uh, what's called not to be uh, ironic, but they needed what they did, what they needed to do, and you know that's why they're on to the second round, and that's why they, who knows, that's why we don't know what's going to happen. The, this team, they, as much as people still want to, you know, say that oh they're still not a skilled team or this or that, they're a very good hockey team, and they could beat you. And if you don't watch out, they're going to surprise. They'll they'll do it. They'll do what they've done in the first two rounds. Yeah, Barry Trot said maybe in Game Four those first two goals came a little easy for them. And, um, again, I think, like you said, um, he's the type of coach, and we've seen it over the course of his first two years with the Islanders, you know, with, you know, withstanding the last streak they were on right before the pause here when they were 0-4-3 um, and, and kind of winless in seven games. Outside of that period, this team has always rebounded more times than not mm-hmm. after a bad loss, after a disappointing effort, and we've seen it so far in both the qualifying round series against the Florida Panthers and, of course, this five-game uh, series against the Washington Capitals. And, of course, you had the subplot of Barry Trotz against his former mm-hmm. team in this series, and I, I don't know whether or not we kind of expected the fallout to happen this quick uh, where uh, the Washington Capitals fire Todd Reardon um, after the Islanders, I guess there's ramifications for losing to the Islanders in the playoffs. Uh, Todd Reardon fired uh, by Washington GM uh, Brian McClellan. And I, honestly, Rob, I don't know how Brian McClellan gets to make that call if you're running the Washington Capitals. The guy who pretty well, much think- says why, why they can't bring back Barry Trotz for five years, the, the horror that the guy after, you know, winning president's trophies and then finally winning a Stanley cup wants to be paid like one of the top coaches in the NHL. You decide not to do that and try to bring back Reardon to duplicate efforts or try to kind of keep the same uh, feel in the, in the, in the room. And it just didn't work out. That is a yeah. gargantuan type of mistake. If you're a GM and somehow he's going to be able to, it appears uh, still select the next Washington capital coach after this. Yeah, it's hard to believe the way the whole fallout happened with the series. But, you know, I hate to say it, but you could see the writing on the wall from the series itself. Barry Trotz schooled Todd Reardon in every sense of the word, in every fashion, in every fashion uh, uh, both on the ice and off the ice. Everything that came out of Trotz's mouth was the right things, uh, whether you want to disagree or, or agree. 
What Reardon was, you know, I still think I believe that the Caps, I think that Backstrom hit really, really got in under, it got under their, it got in under their, under the Caps' skin. I think it got under Reardon's skin. And I think that, that, you know, the Allens played off of that. But I also think Trotz, you know, he saw, okay, I need my team to play this way. So they, and we're, you know, we're in their heads. And, but just to get back to what, do I think McClellan should have been fired? I, I don't know. Maybe. But, I take it – got to put on the head coach here. You know, a lot of times you'll say with, like, the way Washington played, oh, we're going to put on the players. No, the coach is there. He's got to motivate these guys. He's got to get them interested. And what I saw from a, the Washington Capitals, and even in the round robin uh, part of the tournament, they were so disinterested. There was no motivation there. They had, the Allens, like, they had three guys score the entire series against the Allens. That's unheard of compared to what we expected to see from them. But to have three guys score, and that's it. And then you saw, I mean, it's another fact. It's a different, uh, it's a little bit of a different factor. But you saw Braden Holt, but he just looked like he wasn't there. He looked like he, he looked like he, you know, he, he uh, mailed it in. And it looked, and the whole team looked like he mailed it. So I'm really not surprised that they fired uh, Todd Reardon. But, you know, what you saw on the ice and just all the little things that Barry got the best of Reardon, it, it doesn't come as a surprise that he got fired today. But I mean, let's just now, imagine in a, in a New York in a New York kind of um, media landscape, if a team had won a, a Stanley Cup or any championship, and then allowed that head coach to go to another team in the division and then beat that team in the postseason. I mean, you know, that would be something there'd be, that there'd that be outside about the forever. office and outside the arena. You know, uh, I mean, how how can they not? And, and you know, again, I think Barry Trotz and what he wanted was was very reasonable. I understand that he was with the team for a long, long time, and you wonder whether or not that message is going to get lost. But they just won the Stanley Cup, so obviously the message was still working. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like they had won the Cup a few years ago, and you know, kind of on the other side of things. Uh, so you know, again, very strange. But uh, thank goodness, if you're an Islander fan, that 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 kind of occurred and the things lined up that way with Lou Lamarillo taking over as GM and then Barry Trotz being available a few weeks later. Uh, Trotz was asked about Reardon getting fired today. He said, quote, it's part of what you sign up for in coaching. That's what you accept when you become a head coach in the National Hockey League. I just wish him well. So um, I don't know. I don't know what their relationship is. The handshake they gave each other was kind of like, oh, man, wasn't like that a lot of rocks in there. Right, I was, and, and and that's kind of interesting, I think, right, when you think about, you know, the circumstances and, and what may have gone on between them. I mean, I have no information or have not heard anything about their relationship being icy, but if it was kind of like a mentor-mentee type relationship, you, would ex- you wouldn't you would expect that type of – You also know, that look at the way inter- that – yeah, sorry, Joey. You look at the way that also Trotz embraced all the former, all his former uh, players, but you know whether it was Wilson, Ovechkin, uh, or Holpe or whoever, and you just you got that sense that yeah maybe the maybe the Caps didn't maybe they didn't like Reardon is just not their guy, and maybe Trotz was their guy, and I think uh, it's a little it's a little bit of an aftershock, and but you're totally right. Like I, I don't know what their relationship was, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna start to speculate, but. You know, I, I just even just now I read a tweet that what and someone said it was his response was unamu it was amusing, but like unassuming like that he just he wasn't broken up about it. So obviously there was something there, and I remember Josh Bailey saying I think it was after Game Five, uh, someone asked him, you know, 
did you want to win this one for trots? You know, because, you know, he was there for, he was the captain and said, absolutely. That just shows you there was that little bit of extra motivation there, you know, from, from the coaching side that, you know, I want, like, they wanted, we wanted these guys to win. And they, they made a statement doing it, which I thought was even, even uh, more, you know, it was, I thought it was even better. And, you know, it, what happened, happened. I'm just today, saying there has to be more to that relationship and how the pieces on, yeah. the, on the chessboard played out in Washington, because imagine if, you know, Lane Lambert gets a coaching job, uh, which we expect, I think, at any point. I think people were surprised he didn't land a coaching job after last season. Let's say Dallanders beat Lane Lambert's Washington Capitals next season. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, although, who knows, that could happen. I mean, I know there's a lot of other big-name free agent head coaches uh, possible, possibility out there, um, Peter Laviolette being one, of course. Um, can you, I, don't, I don't foresee that kind of interaction at the end of a playoff series the way we saw it. And this is kind of happening in real time now. There was just a tweet from Neil Best um, of Newsday saying, amusingly unemotional response from Barry Trotz to the news of firing Todd Reardon. Let's just say he did not seem broken up about it. So, again, nothing's ever been written, at least that I've seen, uh, about kind of a strained relationship between those two. But um, obviously something else is there because um, you, you, would, you would expect maybe a, a different type of response both after the series ended and upon the news of, of Reardon. Uh, getting getting fired. Back with more in a moment. You're listening to PT Isles, part of the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The Islanders winning this round and also means we say goodbye to Butch and Brendan as mm. a one-two punch. Uh, as the Islanders' games will no longer be carried on MSG networks. They'll have the pre and the post. Uh, but that also means that we don't get these MSG uh, Twitter account videos of Brendan Burke calling Islander goals, which are fantastic. I know this um, you know, new type of uh, view that has, you know, of recording the play-by-play announcers has, has been around for a little bit. We started to see it during the season with Brendan. But his reactions, Rob, during these Islanders' goals, you just love it so much as a fan, right? Because there's an actual smile on his face as it's happening. It's kind of like it's a bit of disbelief. It's a little bit of joy. It's happiness. It's pride. It's being proud. It's all these wrapped up in one. And uh, we are very, very happy. I was going to say, do you know that that Wolf of Wall Street gift, the one of us, he's like that, that, you know that? That's what I'm. That's what Brendan Burke is to Islander fan. He's one of us, and you're 100% right. The videos that came out of him, the of him, the calling the goals and the big moments. It's just, it was joyous. It was joyous to watch. He just adds that extra element, and it's going to be very sad. Um, and hopefully, he can be on the call for the NBC broadcast. That would, I think, I would kind of give Islander fans a little bit of comfort. If not, you know, we get you'll everyone will deal, but. Just his calls, and it's just made this postseason that much more enjoyable. And 
him and Butch, you know, I, I, call, I got the clip of Butch saying, I want a goddamn face-off, which I thought was absolutely hilarious and just classic. But <laughs> they just added that, those little elements that made that have made this postseason run so, so much fun. But, yeah, I'm really going to miss, you know, I, I, it sucks that, that it had to happen. But, you know, if the Owls are moving on and they're going to, like, and they go as far as we think they can go, and, yeah, we don't have Brendan and Butch to call it, I wouldn't be too broken up because that means that they, you know, that they're playing for a Stanley Cup possibly. So, it, you know, it, it's like it, I'm down, I'm split down the middle. I'm sad that um, I, I agree with you. I'm sad that, you know, we're not going to be able to hear them anymore. But the longer they go, the more that means the Islanders are playing hockey. I, I'm, I, I don't know. It's a weird way to look at it, but that's just how I see it. I remember. Um, I know it's your birthday. You're in your mid twenties now. Are you 25? I'm 20. I just, I'm tur- I turned 26. 26. So you're, you're a little young for remembering the actual 94 Rangers run uh, to the Stanley cup. Um, I, was born, I, was, I, was, I was born a few months after sadly. Right. Right. So you've, uh, you've never been alive for a Rangers Stanley cup. So I guess, no. I guess that's good. Um, keep it that way. Um, I was, I was 12. So um, I, the, the, you know, um, Sam Rosen and John Davidson got to call the entire playoffs. And um, years later, um, I got to, when I was working at Fordham University and WFUV, and Sam Rosen came to do a workshop, and he talked about that, about how no longer would the TV broadcast be allowed to be with the teams throughout the postseason and how special that was. He also did NHL radio at times, so there was always an option that the Rangers had you know, continued down. He would be the play-by-play voice on radio uh, for the NHL or possibly those games. But how special that was for Ranger fans to have J.D. and Sam Rosen be the voices. And when you go back and watch uh, those playoff series and, and those games, it's, it's those guys calling calling it for uh, uh, for the Ranger fans. Although I think you had Gary Thorne and probably Bill Clement um, on, the, on the national broadcast, and, and they did a great job as well. Anyway... That'll be it. We won't have Brendan. We won't have Butcher. We won't have Mike Bilberry either as uh, he steps aside oh, uh, for the remainder of, of the playoffs. <laughs> he didn't want to be there anyway. So, you know, I don't I, know, I, I, you know, however you feel about the remark and whether or not it was too far and whether it deserved or not, I'm sure certainly no one else, maybe other type of broadcasters and analysts would have gotten the benefit of the doubt. He was never going to get the benefit of the doubt. And there's a lot of people that wanted him not on broadcast anyway. And like I said, he very much feels sometimes on the broadcast that he doesn't want to be there necessarily either. So I'll just say one thing for everybody. If, if I can about Michael, look, I feel like, and I, I said it also, I'd rather have AJ Malesko. I think she's been absolutely phenomenal in the playoffs that almost every, I've pretty much caught almost every game she's had, you know, cause she's on the MC, but it's just, you know, it's time to, it's time to evolve. It's time to get with the times and, it's time for Milbury to go. And I'm just, what he said was atrocious. It was disgusting. And, you know, we know from, you know, from just being Island fans, what, how much we loathe this guy. And we don't want to hear him on the television. We don't want to see his face, his mug on TV. And, you know, finally, I think NBC finally <laughs> got the point that, yeah, it's time to go. It, you know, get, get him well, off my the screen. NHL. The NHL's uh, comment on it didn't really give them much choice, but they were able to part ways without making a decision, at least yet not yet on his on his future. I mean, he's always been a bit of a lightning rod. You know, certainly he was even before the Islanders ever brought him on to be the GM and head coach, right? He was kind of a very opinionated. He was, he was hitting people with shoes. And uh, for better, he created 
drama one way or the other um, with his with his comments, um, with his mannerisms, with the way he spoke about things. Um, so um, I understand maybe why he's been around the game for as long as he has on been on TV for those reasons. But um, I think most people, men and women, would like to look at Patrick Sharp anyway. <laughs> uh, you know, you're not um, wrong. At the, yeah, I, I know, I know. I'm not, <laughs> you know, during the, the pre and post game shows, podcast. and there's lots of other options uh, certainly for for color color analysts. He's never been a great color analyst anyway. He's better if he's going to do anything. Let him just do the pre and the post game and give his little snippet for five minutes no, and to be done no, with. No, I don't want him anywhere on on my television. He can go, just go away. I don't need to see. I don't want his analysis. I don't want him. I don't want to hear him speak anymore. And of course, I said, while Milbury is being remorseful, maybe he can also apologize for uh, trading Roberto Luongo and Zidane Chara. I guess he gets credit for drafting two Hall of Famers, but uh, he also got to trade goals for them as well. Um, so <laughs> um, anyway, um, let's move on to the series against the Philadelphia Flyers Islanders beat the Flyers all three times in what seems a lifetime ago during the regular season. And that was really prior to the Flyers really picking up steam and becoming among the best teams in the Eastern conference, uh, right around when the pause happened. And then they played so well in that round Robin to gain the number one seed, uh, going into, uh, the more traditional one through eight matchups. Uh, you mentioned it before, whether it be The Athletic, whether it be Newsday, there are a lot of people picking the Islanders over the Flyers, and I think it's just about what's happened most recently. The Flyers beat the Canadians in six games. People thought they should have won that you know, in a four- or five-game series and definitely should have played better in that series, specifically their top six forwards not performing very well. And then people are looking at the way the Islanders handled the Capitals, and I think that's why a lot of people are now picking the Islanders. But, you know, these things could change in a dime, and, and they are a very dangerous team, especially if they get their, their top six going. Yeah, they are a very good team, and they're deep down the middle. And it starts with Sean Couturier, who is a Selkie Trophy nominee now almost every single year. But, yeah, they've got firepower. They've got a, they've got a very solid defense. It's really, for me, it's in goal where the question mark is. And I know that everyone is all high and mighty on, on Carter Hart. And, you know, he deserves all the recognition, but he's still a rookie. And he's in a – now the, the, his team is in a position now where if he uh, – if the Allens can get to him, just like they got to Holpe and just like they got to Bobrovsky, even though those, those, even though those two guys have been around the block, but this kid's a rookie. And if the Allens can get to him, I think they could break him easily. I, I'm not going to say what I saw against Montreal uh, impressed me, but I saw some of the goals that he was letting up. I was like, hmm, Islanders could do If the Islanders got to him like that, uh, it, could be a very, very intu- it could be a very intriguing series and then one that could go in the Islanders' favor. But, I, you know, they're a well-coached team, and you know, they still got all their big guns. They got Giroux. They got Voracek. They've got, you know, up and down the lineup. But I think the Islands can match them to, uh, uh, player for player. And I think the Islands can roll four lines. And you, you did mention about that their top six forwards weren't as active in the, first, uh, um, in the series against Montreal. I don't know if we should we come through in this round. Sure. But the way the Islands play defense, can they neutralize them? Absolutely. So I give uh, – for people giving me uh, – like jumping on the Islander bandwagon, how can you not blame them when – 
if the Islanders are going to play that their smothering defense and you know that boring style hockey and just shut down Philadelphia, where you know Philly is mo- they're they're vulnerable. They you know Mon- they should have rolled over Montreal. I, uh, and I think they gave them more than they – I think Montreal you know, gave them more than they could handle. But I thought Philly could have swept them. But it's just – it points – it gives you that little bit of doubt that a team like Philadelphia, maybe they got a little bit disinterested. I'm not – you know, maybe that's the wrong choice of word. But if the, the Islanders play a much better game and they play a much more structured game, I mean, if you, if you would have put the, the Islanders structure with Montreal, I think the Montreal would have won the series. If, they, if it all came down to it, but you know that that's for another that's a conversation for another time. Now, it's, if the Islanders are going to win this series, it's going to be because they play their defensive structure and they have that intense forecheck and they roll four lines, and they I think they have the better goaltender. I think Barlama he's on a heater right now, and I think he's just he's found he's found his game, and I think because Barry Barry put that confidence in him and hasn't decided to you know, change anything, even after those two, even after the two losses he suffered, even though they weren't his fault because he played pretty well. I just think that he's riding, like he's riding a hot streak right now. And you know, this show, if you have a hot goal in the playoffs, it doesn't matter what team you're facing. You could go all the way to the Stanley cup. It's that we've seen it happen, but I, I like the Allen's chances. And I, I, I get why people are picking them because I think they could, I think they are the better team on, I wouldn't say, I think Philly's a better team on paper, but the Allen's might be the better team on the ice. Yeah, Varlamov hasn't had to be spectacular. He hasn't had to steal a game yet for the Islanders. I mean, he certainly made the big uh, breakaway save in Game 3 that ultimately led to the Barzell goal uh, to win Game 3 and give the Islanders a 3 nothing lead. But he hasn't had to stand on his head yet. He's been very good. He's been solid. And, um, you know, if you if the Islanders are playing their way defensively, structure-wise, that's all you really need from your goaltender because you're going to limit the high-danger opportunities. As far as Carter Hart, listen, it's an easy narrative for the media to say, you know, experience, I can see him get rattled. He hasn't played in this situation before. That's fine. But, I mean, how, we're, how many months removed are we from, you know, Jordan uh, Bennington winning the Stanley Cup for the St. Louis Blues, right? So experience can mean a lot, but also a hot goalie playing with confidence will outweigh the experience. So uh, certainly I think early in the series, if the honors can get to him and you kind of shake that confidence a little bit, Perhaps all that in the narrative will be true, but you can also see a scenario where he plays very, very well and uh, you know carries the Flyers to a serious win the way he's played you know most of the uh, second half of, of the regular season. And listen, we even saw with the Blues too. Bennington is a superstar in the making, rookie that takes the team, takes comes to the NHL in January, ends up leading them to a Stanley Cup, and then you know he's getting you know pulled for. Uh, Brian Elliott during this past series and they pull him in in a kind of a must-win scenario and he doesn't play well. So you, you don't want to read too, too much into that. Um, overall, though, I think for me, Rob, what's going to be key in this series is can the Islanders continue to get that production from Beauvillier, from Josh Bailey? Um, the top line has been fine. Yeah. I don't know if you saw there was No, there was a tweet from Mike Kelly from NHL Network that the Pajot Komarov and I, uh, I think I forgot who else. That their percentage of high danger chances and possible scoring in the is in the top three in the league right now. Wow. That line, not the Bailey, Bavillier, and Nelson line. No, the third line with Leo Komarov. That just shows. But and even Broussard. again, and Broussard, 
there we go. Thank you. That just shows you, though, that if the Allens could get scoring and they and they get even that even a smidge of that production from that line, as compared to the other other three lines, they can win the series. And I still oh yeah, without what question, saying? it's always Islanders. It's always four lines rolling at the same time and getting some type of offense. You know, get somewhat hot, right? Get some line combination going. Um, at a certain point. It doesn't have to be top-heavy where you always expect everything from Everly, Barzal, and Lee. You might have you know, certain games where the third line chips in, where the fourth line chips in, where you get a goal from the second line on a power play, whatever it may be. That's, that's the Islanders' MO. I'm just saying, like, they got tremendous production from Bailey and Bovillier these first two series. To expect it again, maybe it does happen, I, but I think you are going to need maybe that top line to just be a little bit more consistent in terms of creating chances. I'm, I see, and you're totally right. And I'm not going to go out on a limb here. I think it is going to continue, and I'll explain why. We we use this word, I think, a bunch of times already in, in this show, confidence. This team, the offense, is showing so much more confidence than we're used to, and we're seeing it from, like you said, the the sources, like, like the the Bavilliers, the Nelsons, the Baileys, and you said we don't have to depend on – they don't have to depend on the first line anymore, which is a really, really good thing to have that they don't have to do that because they were doing it a lot too much. They were doing it way too often during the season. But I believe because they're playing with so much confidence that I think that the scoring and the production is going to continue because, I mean, how can you not, with the way that, the, with the way that you see them rolling the four lines and the way that you see them offensively just breaking out, it's hard not to, you know, it's hard not to say that, oh, not to expect it for the next round. Because those are the guys that they've been looking to, and they've come, they've been coming through in bunches. So I think that we are going to see that same production. I, I think that they can get to. We, we mentioned it before, they can get to Hart, and I don't, you know, Philly has a, they have a solid defense, but they're vulnerable. Every team is vulnerable, and even the best are vulnerable. And I think that production comes from taking advantage of your competition, and that's what the Islands have done. And I don't see where they can't do it again, because. If the Montreal Canadiens, who don't have that much offensive skill, uh, and they have maybe two lines, if they can get what they got from their guys against, uh, and who says the, the Islanders could do that in spades? They could do that even more, and they could do it in spades. Even if it's not the second line, even if it ends up being the fourth line or the third line, or if we uh, hopefully mostly the first line, still, they are playing with confidence. And confidence goes a long way in a playoff run, and we're seeing it now. And I just don't think they're going to stop. I think that they know what their job is, and I think they know that they're the line that Barry Trotz depends on now to get the to get this team going or to get the or to come through in the big moment. So I, it all equates to the confidence, and I think that yeah. we're seeing it in droves. And I think that we're going to see it this next round too. I, what the Islanders are doing right now offensively, did you see that coming? I didn't see that coming in the playoffs. That was one of the major questions coming. Like who was going to be the guy? But not even just that. Were they going to be able to get production from all four lines? So I'm, you know, I'm not like flabbergasted by what's going on, but I'm still surprised at what we've seen. But now that what they've done, they've done it for two rounds. I'm very confident that they could keep going. Uh, I don't right. know. The, maybe, maybe you disagree, but I, I, I like what I'm seeing, and I'm not, you know, I, I'm going to stick with what I'm like what I'm watching. And we're talking so much about the confidence of the goal scorers, but what's been rock solid has been the Islanders blue line. And you have guys like, you know, Devon Tays playing like a number one type defenseman, 
we've obviously, you know, Adam Pellich has not missed a beat from coming back. And um, we, you know, we talked, you know, a few weeks ago about how well things set up for the Islanders, probably among all the teams in the qualifying round and playoffs, they benefited the most um, from um, the pause because they were able to get Zizekas healthy and Boychuk healthy and, and probably most importantly, Adam Pellich. And that has just really set up that blue line and every person there in that in that six-man group is playing well and Boychuk's ready to play again so if they have another injury um, he can plug and play and kind of keep the matchups where he wants them I, I don't fault Barry Trotz for keeping Andy Green in the lineup he's been steady there's no reason to take him out right now with the way the team is playing but if he needs to shake things up for whatever reason during uh, during the series it's a great option to have Johnny Boychuk be able to step right in and we've seen Nick Letty. Nick Letty made the gorgeous pass to, on the Barzell goal um, in, in game game four. He scored uh, the big goal on the perfect shot in game two. So he's played well offensively as well. So um, we talked about a lot of confidence in terms of, you know, second and third liners and generating chances. We're not talking a lot about the Islanders' blue line because that's how steady they've been. They've kind of been like an offensive line in the NFL, right? The game ends and you're not talking about any miscues, any blown assignments, any bad decisions, they've just been stellar uh, throughout have, have the New York Islanders blue line. Just want to talk quickly about the other matchup on the other side of the bracket. This is lining up pretty well for the Islanders in terms of matchup, right? Because, listen, the Flyers are the top seed for a reason, the way they played in that round-robin tournament, the way they played towards the end of the year. But certainly most people would look at Boston and Tampa being the top two teams in the East, and they have to battle each other for a spot in the Eastern Conference. We all know the Tuka Rath situation, so Yarrow Halako, our old friend, will be in the pipes. Uh, who do you like in that series? Uh, I like the Lightning, and uh, I maybe because of, maybe on one sense because I don't want any part of the Bruins for the Islands. I've never I've said it. I could say say it to the cows come home. I do not want any part of the Boston Bruins. And even during their series against Carolina, when they look like they could be take they look like they could be had this year. And then they turned it on. I'm like, okay, now I realize again why I don't want any part of them. But I, I like Tampa in that series. That series is going to be a war. And I'm going to thoroughly enjoy watching those two beat the living hell out of each other. And whoever wins, and if, uh, you know, they deserve it. But I think that the Islanders, if ta- I, I want to see Tampa win because I think the Islanders match up well against the Lightning. And I'll give you the one reason why. It's Barry Trotz. Barry Trotz has that. He has to, there's something about his coaching style against the Tampa Bay Lightning in the past four or five years where it seems like he knows that team. He knows their style. He knows what, what to expect. He knows how to game plan, and he knows how to outcoach John Cooper. So I, really, I like the Lightning in the series because I think the Islands would be the better matchup for them. And I also just think, I think they are the more – I think if you can get Boston off their game, they, they start to play stupid and they make mistakes. Just, you know, you can say that about any team. But – I've seen it in this postseason where if once you get them down, if you could keep them at bay, they, they have, they have no answers. Even with, even with a Pasternak or a Marshawn or a Bergeron, if you can't, if those guys are not going, they don't really have much behind them. So I think Tampa, I think that they grew up a lot in that series against Columbus. Uh, I think that game one really, really stimulated them in the series. And it's okay. It's not going to be like last year, even though they lost game two, uh, I think they realized, okay, we're not going to – this is not the same. We're, you know, we're still the better team. We're the more, we're the more hungry team, and they, they showed it. But I like uh-huh. Tampa. I think it's going to go seven games. I, I, 
frankly, I want it to go seven because if the Islands could end there, if the Islands can win their series, and depending on how many games, if it's a quick series, you want to be as rested as possible for that. Because Tampa, they come at you in waves, and so does Boston for that matter. But if you can catch Tampa, you know, after a grueling, grueling series, maybe we're talking, maybe, you know, it's a hypothetical, but maybe we're talking about the Islands playing for the Stanley Cup in a few weeks. So I like Tampa. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? And the Islanders have handled Tampa pretty well in the regular season over the last couple of years. They, they've played them well, and obviously the opposite end of that spectrum is how much, struggle, how much they struggle against the Boston Bruins. And listen, sometimes your path within the postseason has a lot to do with ends up, who ends up being champion. I mean, I'm a New York football Giants fan. You go back to 2011. I remember watching the Saints play the 49ers in that divisional round game in San Francisco where it went back and forth and Alex Smith scored on the bootleg, if you remember, and then New Orleans scored and then he threw a touchdown pass to Vernon Davis to win the game. As a Giants fan, I was, was that like... Colin Kaepernick? No, no, was no. That, that was Alex Ka- Smith. This is 2011. 2011. Oh, so I thought that was Colin Kaepernick for some reason. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it was it was Alex Smith. So I'm watching that and going as a Giants fan. I'm like, if the Giants have to go to New Orleans, they're not going to beat the Saints in the Superdome, right? But when San Francisco won, it went, hmm, you know, if the Giants could beat the Packers, I could see them beating San Francisco on the road. Sometimes that just needs to happen. I mean, even the 2000 Mets, I know they lost the World Series to the Yankees, but when the Braves lost to the Cardinals in the first round, it opened the door. And the way these matchups have played out with Islanders-Panthers, Islanders-Capitals, Islanders-Flyers, there's, there's a path there right now. There's not that team, at least not yet, that you go, oh, my, this is a horrible matchup for the Islanders. It's, it's actually going uh, a bit the other way. So we'll see. Lots of hockey to be played. Islanders haven't been to a conference final, of course, since 1993. Um, this is the fifth time they played the Flyers in the postseason. Islanders have lost the Three out of the four, but the one they won uh, was the most important one, of course. Uh, 1980 Islanders winning on the Bobby Nystrom overtime goal at 7-11 of overtime to win their first Stanley Cup. Rob, this was fun, and let's hope we keep on getting a chance to do it and talk more about this Islanders playoff run that may go longer than the baseball season. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know what? I'll just say just a message, you know, just for Islanders. Enjoy this series. Even even if they don't come out on on the winning end of it, you know, this this franchise is making they're making a statement right now that they're they're on their way to they're doing something special. And, you know, this is the second time in two years they're in the second round. But the as someone as many people said, the expectations are higher now. And that's a great thing for it's a great thing for what this franchise is turning what they're they're turning they've turned the corner, but this is you know this is different times now this is we this is expectations we expect them to win, and we haven't had that in a long time, so you know if they lose in this series, I wouldn't get too down about it, but if they win, oh man, you know this you think that the ride is only you think the ride's been fun so far, just wait until you know. You're playing for the Eastern Conf- playing in the Eastern Conference Finals po- as a possibility. So let's just see. We'll you know we'll see what happens. But just enjoy this ride has been it's been enjoyable so far. And who knows what's going to come next? That's all. That's really Islanders all I have can been say. A, Islanders have been a Final Eight team now uh, for two consecutive years. Um, so you know that that puts you in the top third of the NHL. I know it probably doesn't feel like that to a lot of people nationally, but that's 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 the truth. They've been in the the Final Eight 
of the playoffs for each of the last two seasons, and we'll see whether or not they get to have an opportunity to play for the conference finals in the next round. Rob, thanks a lot. We appreciate it, pal. Talk to you soon. Appreciate it. Thanks. So that'll do it for this episode of TC Isles, Islanders and Flyers. Game one, Monday night at 7, and then back-to-back, game two and three. Wednesday, get the excuses ready. Uh, 3 o'clock start, Thursday at 7 o'clock, and then game four at noon, games five, six, and seven to be determined. As Rob said, enjoy it. It's been a fun ride, and let's hope it goes a little bit longer. We'll talk to you next week, Islanders country. Good night. Thank <laughs> you.